0: Welcome to episode 93 from the Shed End. Theo, how are you doing?
1: Not bad, not bad. Finally, a Chelsea win to talk about in a bit, which I'm looking forward to. Uh, A bit congested and sniffy with a mix of a cold and hay fever. So if I sound a bit nasal on this pod, apologies in advance for that. But other than that, I'm doing good. How are you doing?
0: Yeah, I'm good. Um, Definitely. I think every Friday we come on and we, we give our hay fever update. But yeah, definitely still suffering from the pollen Um, But apart from that, I'm good. You know, I'm good, like you said, a nice win to talk about last weekend. Very good performance, which we'll talk about uh, shortly. But if you haven't already, please make sure you subscribe to the channel. Make sure you give the video a thumbs up. If you're on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, make sure you hit the link in the link tree, uh, the link tree link in the description below. Um, That'll take you to all our social accounts as well and uh, our YouTube channel as well. So make sure, again, you go and subscribe on there as well. Let's get straight into it because Bournemouth was a game that we've, we've not had the best of um, performances there previous, previously as well, but what a performance. I mean, it was a good performance from, from the lads. Frank got the, the first win as, as interim, back, back in his second spell at Chelsea as, uh, as manager. What was your thoughts um, initially with the lineup? Was there any question marks about the lineup and also the performance as well?
1: Yeah, I was a bit frustrated at first with the lineup, if I'm honest. I thought um, he went with a, a back four. Which I thought that this game really needed a, a back uh, a back three of the wing backs and I'd have had loftus cheek as my my wing back. He played Chiloba in his unnatural position at right back. Um then I believe it was um Enzo, Kante, Gallagher with um I'm trying to remember now, Havertz, Madurek, Madurek and Madweke. Um yeah, I guess Madweke deserved to be there and he was again kind of the standout performer for me. But I would have I would have gone with a uh a back four a back uh, back three uh, would have had maybe loss his cheek and potentially Chilwell or um or, uh, or Hall as the the left wing back but maybe I think Fafana's late injury maybe meant that Frank had to switch to a back four, which maybe explains that. But glad he dropped Kovacic for this one. Um I think you know that midfield three over Enzo can take Kovacic clearly hasn't worked lately. So I think it was needed for a bit of a switch. But yeah, lineup I think could have been better. Could have been worse in my opinion.
0: Yeah, it was, um, yeah, I think some of those, like the changes you you mentioned, you know, obviously Wesley Fafana, late injury to him, uh, the lack of depth that we've currently got at right back with um, Reece James being injured. Trevor Chalibut was probably the most, in a back four, was probably the most sensible option to go with, I think. But... um, Overall I was impressed, I'll be honest. I think overall in terms of the performance itself, I was impressed. We we dominated both halves for me. We created a lot more I know we create chances anyway, but we was actually getting players on the end of the, you know, in that final third, you know, on the end of the ball, trying to make something happen in 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 the final third. And it was just it was just a totally different shift in how we've watched Chelsea over the last couple of games, especially under Frank Lampard, but it was just a totally different game for us. We felt on top of the game throughout for me and I didn't I didn't feel even, you know, going 1-0 um, up. I, I think I said to you, you know, we need more than one goal. We need to try and kill the game off. And um, you know, Conor Gallagher, again, someone who I've got mixed opinions of, but he, he's always in the right place at the right time. With quite a scuffed kind of header, but it was still still a goal that's on target. And, and he, he took it well, you know, he played really well in that game. But um, their goal, I mean, we have to talk about their goal. I think it was v- Vienna, uh Brilliant strike. Could could Kepper have done any more to save that? Or was it just too good of a
1: strike? I mean, like, you look at the goal we conceded at Wolves, the goal we conceded to Brighton, the Vigne goal. The, I think there's been a few more this season where it's probably been their goal of the season, but it's all been against Chelsea. And before I kind of question Kepper, because he does have this kind of bit of a tendency to concede these long-range wonder strikes or goals... I just feel like we need to close these players down a lot quicker and I think that goes that's down to the midfielders and the defenders so uh, I want to cut Kepa some slack here and if, to be fair it was a one the goal I think it was just a whisker away from the post I might have even hit the post before going in so I don't think as much Kepa could have done but it was too easy for Vigne to even have that space to shoot and I think I even messaged you um five minutes before that goal went in and said Vigne looks a bit dangerous today uh he looks like a player I think I googled him. He's on loan from Roma, so I think um, if he's out of favour, Roma he will probably stay in the Premier League at Bournemouth. or he'll go back to a, to to Roma as a he's a Uruguayan international. So I think he's got a bright future wherever he goes. But yeah, um, typical Chelsea goal to concede, really a little long right long rangeer uh, wonder strike. But I thought we responded quite well, especially in that second half. Um, I thought there was maybe periods of the first half where we looked like. You know, could maybe allow Brighton to score more than one. But in that second half, I thought we were under control. And big credit to Frank Lampard. I know there was a lot of criticism on Twitter about the substitutions he made, but they all had an impact on the game. They really did. You look at Loftus Cheek, he was played in his more natural midfield position and looked really lively. Um, Hakim Ziyech, who, yeah, sure, you can tell he doesn't want to be at Chelsea from his body language, but the ball he put for Badger's Shield was on the plate. It was fantastic. And that's what we've been lacking so much this season just a player from set pieces that can get the ball into the box. And um, also Jao Felix, who came off the bench and scored the third goal, which kind of you know made made things a lot more comfortable going into those final five or six minutes of the game. Um, maybe I'd have gone with um, when Chilwell went off injured, I would have gone maybe with Hall instead of Aspie. You know, Aspie's not a natural left back and he hasn't really had the legs anymore, but he got the job done. Maybe he just added a bit more leadership and that mentality we needed to kind of finish the game off. But overall, I thought the subs were questionable at first, but they really paid off.
0: Yeah, credit to Frank because I think. I've definitely criticized the subs or the timing of the subs. You know, sometimes we go one nil down, we wait for that goal to go in, and then we we leave it a bit longer and we go two one down or two nil down. But I think when he realized, you know, that early goal, I think almost probably scored around the 20th minute mark or around there. Um, he kept it tight, you know, kept it compact for the rest of that half, and then it's second half. You know, he made those, like you said, crucial subs and um, obviously Chilwell, Chilwell was forced in terms of, a, I think it's a hamstring injury that he's picked up. But, you know, in terms of Badia sure I mean, someone that we've we've been crying to see back in the in the squad. Um, I mean, he looks, again, like a really good performance, you know, getting forward as well, as I said before, you know, getting into those crucial areas in the final third. Like I said, Hakim Ziyech putting in a beautiful ball. Um, and Jao Felix as well, you know, someone that, again, is is splitting the fan base should we keep him shouldn't we but you see what he can do when he's in the right place at the right time as well and he is that for me the one player going forward that is trying to make something happen whenever he's got the opportunity to do so so I was, I was, I was really impressed and you know I know it doesn't really mean anything in the grand scheme of things in terms of you know pushing for Europe or you know it was that 40 point thing that was over our heads and you know we joked about the relegation and well not even joked but we were talking about relegation and whatever else but to see a good performance in three points and, you know, hopefully take that into that forest game tomorrow as well. You know, we have to build on that regardless of where we are in the league. I think we have to continue to to just build on that for next season now, but um, let's move on. Cause we've got quite a bit to talk about uh, in, in this episode as well, but I just wanted to talk about Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, someone who um, again, you know, did, didn't feature um, in, in the game, but um obviously I, read, I think I read on monday or tuesday that he's got a very hefty appearance fee per game in his, uh, his his contract with chelsea he's obviously come out very openly and said that he does want to go back to barcelona or leave leave chelsea at least in the summer um do you do you think that was probably a mistake from chelsea's the ownership of chelsea at the time because obviously you know we know we needed a striker when we signed to Bamiang. we needed someone that was a number 9 um And obviously the fact that he wasn't included in the Champions League squad is possibly now making sense as to why because from a financial business perspective, it isn't viable to play someone who one probably doesn't want to be at the club, isn't performing as they thought he would be. Um, And then having to pay those fees out every game, do you think it was just a mistake from the owners to put maybe that clause into a contract or maybe it was Yang's agent who demanded that go in before he he signs the deal?
1: (laughs) It's, it's a weird one. Like, in my opinion, any football club shouldn't sign a player if they're going to have that kind of moment that's going to trigger them or make them feel scared to even play that player. I think it was um, El Shirai when he went to Monaco on loan. He played, like, the first 10 games. was amazing. And then he just stopped playing him because I think if he played more than a certain amount of games, they would have had to pay, I think it was Romo or East Milan, a certain fee. Um, and he felt like almost people we were maybe scared to play a Bama Yankee. Play one game, would it be on the bench for the next one? And that's what happened. We played at the Emirates last week. He wasn't even on the bench against Bournemouth. And I think he was on holiday in uh, in Gabon uh, meeting his, his family. Um, so clearly he's not going to be at Chelsea this summer. But for me, it's just a silly decision. Um, last September, last August, whenever it was, when we signed this player with this kind of clause in his contract that we need to, we've got to pay whenever we play him or if he reaches a certain amount of games, we have to pay. So for financial reasons, we haven't included him in our Champions League squad. You do wonder maybe if that was the, you know, that was maybe what, Cross the line with Tuchel and Boli because I think Tuchel really pushed for this signing. Um, maybe Boli wasn't as keen and maybe Tuchel pushed to the point where he had to include this to be able to allow um, pierre Enrique Aubameyang to come to Chelsea. But for me, it's one of those things that we should learn from and not really have that in those players' contracts that we sign going forward.
0: Yeah, it does seem to be, you know, Boli has made or. you know, the hierarchy have made mistakes over the period of their their time currently at at Chelsea. And I think they're learning as they go along, you know, I think they're they're, they're realizing that they need to adapt and they need to change things and they need to learn from these mistakes. And I I do think it was a massive mistake to have such a clause that prevents you or restricts you from possibly playing someone as like a Bamiank when you haven't got any other option, you know, you haven't got, I mean, we've got David Datra-Fafana who clearly isn't first choice. We've been playing Kai Havertz who, you know gives you spells where he can do something but nine out of ten you know he he missed the shot so we've struggled in that department we know that this is a historical thing not just a Bamiang this is you know, we know that from beyond a Bamiang but um, it's 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 a difficult one because I feel clearly it hasn't worked out I think the Athletic reported it as a a failed marriage that clearly is on its way out it's, it's due to end very soon um, because it does feel like that it just feels like it's the elephant in the room. You know, we all know that he's going to leave. It hasn't worked out clearly for him. It hasn't worked out for, for the the finances to bring him in. Let's talk about him going back to Barcelona, but I think Barcelona can only get him if they get him on a free. It's so, it's such a messy, crazy, you know, deal that potentially would happen. Seem go back to Barcelona. Um, it's a, it's a difficult one it's a difficult one I mm-hmm. think what, what, what do you think should happen next with Aubameyang you know does he does he need to leave the club does he need to move on does he need to go somewhere else
1: yeah I just think for his career his um he's still he's still got some football in him he's still got some playing time he's still got a European pedigree um I think like you said he's but he's really keen on Barca he had six months they're really successful six months and he's liked by the fans he likes the club he was even in the dressing room I think um mm-hmm couple of weeks ago um, and he said in a live Instagram video or live TikTok recently that he'd like potentially to go back to Barca. Um, I think I read that he would need to take a, a wage um, a drop in his wages should he go back there. There's also talks of maybe a swap deal, Atletico, Chelsea, and he's included to get Felix to Chelsea on a permanent deal. Um, but yeah, I think just for both parties, I think we need to just cut ties and um, whether that even be, means like we did with Ross Barkley, just release him from his contract and let him leave. But I think we were just very optimistic as Chelsea fans. We had this proven Premier League goal scorer joining our club, but we need to know now as soon as they take that number nine shirt, it's, it's cast. It really is cast. There's nothing good that's ever happened with it. We had a glimmer of hope maybe a long time ago with Hasselbank. We had it with um, with uh, with Tammy Abraham maybe first season or so. But look at him now. He's out, he's playing football in Serie A. He only had two seasons at Chelsea. So yeah, I think um, <laughs> that number nine shirt, whoever takes it, needs to just. Um, know what to expect
0: yeah Stephen Sidwell as well <laughs> I mean oh the less said the better but um no I agree with you 100% you know I think it's a it's, it's, a, it's a historical thing that's been happening at Chelsea for a very long time the curse of the number nine um Matteo Kovacic heavily linked this week with a move to Manchester City you just mentioned before clearly over the last couple of um Performances for Chelsea hasn't really put in what we expect from Mateo Kovacic and what we know he can do. But um, City are losing some midfielders. I think over the next couple of weeks or so, you know Gundogan. I think is one that's been uh, mentioned as might be going to Barca or somewhere else. But just in terms of um, Mateo Kovacic, someone that I mean, I, I still think he is a really good player, but he, something has broken down uh, with his time at Chelsea it's really strange to strengthen Manchester City. I, I just don't agree with doing that. I don't agree with any club strengthening any other, ever, other club in the league. But clearly, if City are after a player, for me, it always tells you that there's some quality in the player, otherwise they won't be going for them. What, what's your thoughts on Kovacic potentially going to City?
1: Yeah, I do agree with you to a certain extent, but we have to remember they wanted Cucurella and then we kind of hijacked that deal. So, <laughs> um, but no, I think... Um, Kovacic just hasn't really looked himself this season. He hasn't really been that Kovacic we we grew to love under Thomas Tuchel. And he looked so good in that Champions League run where well, we won it in 2021. Um, it does seem like his agent's trying to push for a move to Man City or even Tuchel's Bayern Munich as well. There could be a reunion there in the Bundesliga. But my, he's 29. I think this is the last kind of opportunity we get to get that 40 million that he's valued that Um, and he is a sellable asset as well we don't have many sellable assets in the squad currently that we could sell to recoup a lot of money I think the only two big ones potentially that we could potentially sell for 40 million or over are maybe Gallagher or Kovacic where there seems to be interest for those two players Um, but I completely agree with you it'd be foolish and stupid to strengthen a rival Um, if you've got Pep Guardiola looking to bolster his midfield maybe losing Gundogan to Barcelona I think Calvin Phillips is reported to to want to, to leave as well you would have sell them Kovacic. And I think I mentioned it on a few pods ago, Kovacic under Guardiola in that system would excel, you know, to be able yep. to play alongside of Hallen and De Bruyne and Grealish and Mares, It'd be scary. It would be scary. So, um, should he leave? I'd much rather maybe we even sell him for a bit less, but to a buy Munich or abroad, um, let him go back to Spain. But, but yeah, um, another one that I think I've come to that realization that I wouldn't be too upset if he leaves now, um, but and also makes you realise, would we need to, a replacement in the midfield? Um, we've got Enzo, we've got Kante. Um, the other kind of midfielders we have are really natural central, central mids, Mount, Loftus-Cheek, Gallagher. So I feel like we may need a, a replacement, which may mean we need to go back into the transfer market and look at replacements. I don't know if Declan Rice is one that would be... Um, that will be too expensive. I think maybe his recent European performances have put that price tag up. A few other names, but Jao Polinia from Fulham, for me, we could get a lot cheaper. And that's, he's a very good player, in my opinion. I will linked him last summer, but um, Edson Alvarez from Ajax, Mexican central midfield, but uh, he's decent as well. Um, so, yeah, there's a few options, but I think um, it wasn't one of those positions we desperately needed to strengthen um, before the potential Kovacic departure so, um, so yeah definitely a sellable asset
0: but we can't afford to lose him to a City I think I mean I think I'm resigned to the fact like you said you know I think we we will lose him um, I think for me it's key what you just said in terms of bringing in a player before we let the player go and I think we've always done that recently where we allow players to leave um, and then we don't get the sufficient replacement or an ideal replacement to, to bring them in and you know get to the end of the window and we're panicking and we're we'll, we'll, you know, bringing in Sal Niguez and you no know, disrespect to him but someone of that level just doesn't what we need at the moment. So I think we need to get the player that we want in first or, you know, have some sort of agreement in place and then allow that player to go do do the other way around as opposed to, you know, strengthening Manchester City or whoever they, you know, he ends up with. Let's get our players in first. And I think it's a difficult one for us because we still know we've got to get rid of players. We still know that we've got to trim the squad down, but we also need to sell players and bring players in. So it's a really difficult period for us because we've got to do two things. We've got to bring quality in, but also trim down at the same time, which is a bit weird. But um, yeah, I mean, Kovacic hasn't been the player that we know he can be. And I, I, I agree with you 100%, you know, putting him into that Pep Guardiola squad, you know, Kevin De Bruyne, um, even the, the players behind him now, you know, look at John Stones, that new role that he's got as well. It just, it just suits him so well. You know, you look at the the, the wide players and Grealish and Mahrez and just, it just, it, it's, it's just a go for a player. <laughs> there's a reason they go for a player. They, you know, There's, there's a reason why they let players go. You know, the Sterlins and, um, you know, Cancelo who went to uh, Bayern Munich, I think, as well. There's a reason why these players go. And because Pep Guardiola doesn't see a future for them. But when someone comes in, and I get your point about Kokorea, it's a, it's a good shout. But when there's a player that Pep wants, there's a reason why he's going to fit into that system. And they've been watching Kovacic clearly, obviously, and seen something that is of use at City. So um, interesting one to keep an eye on. Um, I just wanted to add as well, because I was reading this morning around potuccino obviously, and I think you put out a tweet this morning. Um, I feel like we've been at the final stages for Potichino for some weeks now, probably two or three weeks. But um, I did read in an article this morning that he has actually spoken to Frank Lampard and Reese James about leaders, um, the morale of the dressing room, trying to maybe get a feel of, what's going on and you'd you'd assume maybe Frank Lampard's had that conversation with, if this is a, you know, the fact that this has taken place, but you'd expect Kovacic's name to have come up at some point and maybe the idea that he does need to leave or he's not, his mind's not in the right place. But um, it's it's interesting if Particino has had those conversations because it clearly shows that one, the deal is almost done. And two, um, you know, maybe he's going to, convince Kovacic to stay or maybe he does decide he needs to go and he's got other players in mind as well um what's your thoughts on on Poch really at the moment because it's gone a bit quiet um I I think I read as well there's uh image image rights I think that's kind of stalling things as well so what what's your thoughts on why it's taken so long is there an urgency to bring in Pochettino or at least announce it maybe to calm down the Chelsea fan base
1: yeah, I feel like it's been a good month now of these kind of rumors or tweets being like it's finalized, it's in the last stage of the the negotiations or this and it seems to have dragged on a bit now. I was hoping to have it all wrapped up by end of April, um, but it seems like it's going to be maybe announced at the end of the season now, or potentially postseason, which is not what I really wanted. I wanted that manager to be able to be in the stands at Stamford Bridge for the Forest or the Newcastle game, which I don't think is going to be the case anymore. Um But if what Fabrizio Romano has tweeted is accurate, which usually it is, um, it seems like it's in the very last stage now and it could be announced um, this week or next week. Um, I definitely feel like there's been work already happening behind the scenes. Like you said, the fact you've spoken to Lampard about leaders, Rhys James as well, and also the rumours that he was looking to keep Lukaku and Pulisic in his squad goes to show that he's already planning for next season. He already knows what he wants, which is what I want to hear. Um but yeah, for the fans I think it would put our mind at ease. I think maybe a Lampard's win last week has maybe calmed the fans down a little. Um and thank goodness for that. But um but yeah, I think um it needs to be done in the next couple of weeks and hopefully um Newcastle game will have him in the alongside Bowley in the director's box.
0: Yeah, part, a part of me, I mean, I agree with you, but a, a, a part of me thinks maybe is it because they don't want to overshadow what Lampard's trying to do at the club as well. And uh, I do get that, you know, a new manager, I mean, he's re- under the clear instructions that, you know, a manager is coming in. So it's not like he's going to be shocked to see potuccino in the stands. But I think maybe is it just a, a maybe a, re- a bit of a respect thing for, for Frank Lampard to to not have the new manager announced maybe until maybe like you say, the forest game or maybe after, or maybe just before and he's in the stands, he's presented to the, to the fans then I don't know, but it just seems a bit weird that he's wants the job. You know, everything seems lined up and we're just almost waiting to press a, a button to announce something. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm in mean, no doubt that he's going to take the job. He's going to be the new Chelsea manager. I just think it's a, a case of when. Maybe the Legends game. I mean, I mean <laughs> the way things are going, we could have, we could have an, an interim for a month, and he he comes in September. We don't know, but um, I'm hoping well, it's t- a lot.
1: Di you know? t- Matteo uh, managing us even before the Legends game. Yeah, I, I wouldn't, be, I
0: wouldn't put it past Bowley to be fair. Um, the way things are going at the moment, but let's let's talk um, under twenties World Cup selections because um there was a lot of talk obviously about one particular player who wasn't mentioned uh wasn't included and we've mentioned him earlier on already today lewis hall but i do want to talk about some of the players that have been included in that in that um england squad uh, particularly because i think it's a massive achievement for them first of all um for me to say that but um not seeing lewis hall in there's obviously ruffled a couple of feathers i think there's a a good point to make that the World Cup, I think, starts next week. I think it's uh, next Friday. So it's the 20th of May. Um, and obviously, as the Re- Athletic have reported, um, obviously, you know, Chilwell's out for the season now by looks of it. We've lost um, Coquerea as well. So there is a massive gap at left back. So you would you would expect some from what the Athletic have reported that Lewis Hall's been promised some game time over the next you know, four or five games or the remaining part of the season. But, um, uh, Sharman Lowe, Bashir Humphreys, Carney Chokomeka, Harvey Vale have all made the squad. So it's a massive congratulations, massive achievement for them. Um, which we'll talk about slightly shortly, but in terms of Lewis Hall, what's your thoughts? Is it the right call for a club, not just Chelsea, but any club to, to block potentially what is a development opportunity for a player like Lewis Hall, you know, getting that international experience as well. But, obviously you know club pays his wages it, it, does it take presidents over country yeah
1: it's a tricky one because obviously world cups don't come too often every four years even if it's at youth level um but at the same time like you just mentioned our two um kind of first team left backs are are injured um Cucurella and Ben Chilwell I don't think Ben Chilwell or Cucurella might even feature into a before the end of the season yeah. and we saw Lewis Hawley stepped up I think in January he played a handful of games and he did quite well at left back and I think when you're if you're in the reserves the under 18s the under 16s and the 21s whichever team it is you need to be ready to be called up to the first team so I think it might be a bit of a blow for him I don't know what where his head's at if it's you know I want to break into the Chelsea first team and play for the first team train with the first team or if I want to represent my country even if that's at youth level um, but I think as Chelsea fans we've got to be slightly selfish and to say that we need we need him. We need him for the next four or five games of the season. Um, so yeah, I think um, um, when we do our predicted lineups for for tomorrow's game, he's he's in my predicted lineup, and he'll probably be in um, my predicted lineups for the games at at the Etihad and at Old Trafford as well.
0: Yeah, I mean it's it's a shame for him because you know he's he's definitely a player when I've watched. He's got a, a lot of talent. He's very versatile. He's not just a left back. He can he can slot into that midfield uh, those sort of defensive midfield roles as well. So I do think he's very versatile and. Would definitely have benefited going to the World Cup at 100, percent but I think as we've rightly pointed out, you know, when you've got your two key first team, um, you know, left back or left sided options in defence out, you do have to be very selfish. And you know, we haven't had the best of seasons. We can't really afford to go into those City games with Quetta playing as a left back. Um, my only worry is that he, that will be the case with Frank Lampard, and and you know, has he? I'd be very annoyed if, if we get to the point where we, you know, we're, we're lining up against City, we're lining up against United and Lewis Horse on the bench because send him away, let him go and play, you know, represent his country and get some game time experience playing in an in- international tournament at that age is, is crucial. You know, when you think about some of the, the senior players and going back previous years, I remember Theo Walcott went to a World Cup, um, but didn't kick a ball and I think it was under Gore Eriksson. So it's important for some of these players to get that understanding of the international tournament level very early on. So when they do get a call up to the senior squad, they're aware of, you know, what's happening around them and what what, was expected of them. So um, I'm hoping he gets some games on. I think he will. I think he has to. Um, He's a, he's a really good player. And I, you know, I've said to you offline as well before, you know, I'm really worried about the youth that we've got at the club at the moment, because I think a lot of them, you know, I think, um, Sterling not Raheem um, what's his name now Dujon Sterling I think is linked with Rangers on a free transfer another big one um, Alfie Gilchrist as well another player I think that is potentially being linked away with other clubs as well so there's so many of our youth talent that we've got our young talent we have to nurture them and, and try and use them in the best way possible so this could benefit us in a way you know it mm-hmm. could mean you know you mentioned earlier about um, Abamyang being linked with um, a move to Atletico, I think you mentioned last night to me that Cuca is one of those other players that's linked with the move to bring down the fee for Felix as well. So, if that is the case, you know that gives Lewis Hall the option to be the backup alongside, um, you know, Ben Chilwell as the left-sided option. So, there's a lot for him to go. He's a promising young player. I can't wait to see him next season.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. And I think our our youth is looking really promising, as it always does at Chelsea. You mentioned all the English boys that got picked um, for the for the world cup. And there's a few others as well. I think um Cesare um, Casade from Reading was also picked. Um, the really kind of young, you know, promising Brazilian superstar we have uh, Andre Santos was picked for Brazil. Um, this Ecuadorian lad that we signed recently, I think kept care of course, his name Caes payers, something like that. Yeah. Um, he was picked as well. So we have, you know, youth from all across the world representing um, their countries um, at this world cup. And I think, like you said, it is a bit of a blow for, for, um, for Lewis Hall but I think once you start training with that first team you've got to be aware that you've got first team responsibilities now um, and he's definitely got that first team level um, but it would be a huge blow if he, we see Azpilicueta a left back for those remaining games and Hall is just sitting on the bench thinking to himself I could be at the World Cup right now so yeah definitely um, I think uh, it'll be quite telling what happens in the next few weeks.
0: Let's hope we don't go to a back five and see Christian Pulisic or Raheem Sterling playing as a left wing back, which we did get to see, I think, under um, Graham Potter, I think, for, for a while. So um, let's keep it with the youth because there was a uh, a, a tweet or well, videos that went viral yesterday around uh, Charlie Holland, who's the under-14s under captain, who was training with the senior squad yesterday, potentially even today as well. Um, first of all, massive achievement for someone of that age to be even considered by Frank Lampard as someone who's ready to train with the senior squad. Um, Give me your thoughts. I mean, it's a a, a massive achievement.
1: Yeah, it's a huge achievement, but it's also such a nice gesture from Lampard. Obviously, our season is kind of over now, um, but having, um, you know, under-14s captain trains with train of the likes of, you know, these experienced players like Kante, Yang, Kovacic, Mendy, Kepa, it's huge for him and it's a day he'll remember for the rest of his life and I don't know if this is kind of an indication that he maybe he could be involved in a, a senior match coming coming soon, maybe coming off the bench to make a, a cameo uh, appearance and um, maybe mark, mark himself as you know, Chelsea player to look up, you know, to keep an eye on but I think someone might have read as well that maybe there was just a slot to, to fill in uh, in a senior first team training with a few injuries maybe we have to the likes of James, Chilwell, um, Cucurella and also currently, apparently now the under-21 season um, is finished. Um, so they've all gone, they're no longer at Cobham. And the under-18s are in Germany for end-of-season friendlies against Wolfsburg and RB Leipzig. So maybe if we wanted to pick a player to train on the first team, it had to be from the under-14s. But either way, a fantastic achievement and an amazing gesture from Lampard and a day that um, Charlie Holland will undoubtedly remember for the rest of his life.
0: And uh, another thing as well, I mean, it's, it's something that I think will... Or could project him on? I mean, I remember um, my my, friend, my good friend Leon Knight, who who played for Chelsea. He's played for Chelsea, and he's he's um, played for you know big clubs after that. You know, Sheffield Wednesday, Brighton, MK Dons, Barnsley, uh, just to name a few. But you know, he 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 trains with some you know Emmanuel Petit, Mark, Mark, Mario Melchiot, um, Janfranco Zola. You know, Frank Lampard. He's so and you know that. I mean, he was a footballer before then, before he even signed as a trainee. But just even I think he was 17 when he made a a, a first team appearance for, for Chelsea in the UEFA cup. Um, Nesk, Sofia, I think they were called, but yeah, I mean, he's gone on to do other things. So I think that could springboard you on, you know, to be a top professional, just being around those players and, and just learning from them, you know, just learning how things are. I mean, I can only imagine from under 14s to senior squad. It's completely different, especially even more so now. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's a massive, massive achievement. And, you know, if, even if we don't see him pull on a shirt for Chelsea, I'm sure he's going to have a, a long career, like many footballers do at, at top level, when they're at a, a top club. So, um, yeah, credit to him. But it would be nice to see him, maybe the Forest game, just come on for the last five minutes, even if we're losing. You know, just give him a little run out um, uh, for, for the last game, which would be interesting. But, um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll keep an eye on that. Ticket prices ticket prices let's let's talk about the ticket prices i'm still not 100 percent sure now i know that they've froze chelsea have frozen the season tickets uh, general admission ad- admission season tickets for next season but there's been a few murmurs i think online especially in the westview where they have been increased by up to 300 pound so i know the official statement said that they're freezing them um, but what's your thoughts anyway? Uh, uh, the fact that they are freezing by what looks like the the season tickets for for next season.
1: Well, that's the right call. It's one hundred percent the right call. Um, Bowley's kind of divided opinions amongst the fans. Um, we're currently going through a kind of cost of living crisis, as I described, <clears throat> and um, we haven't had a good season. The fans aren't happy with how the players have performed and how the decisions that have been made at the higher level. So I think it's the it was the best decision for for the club, for the fans, for the owners um you know it's the, the least they can do to satisfy the fans right now who have you know devoted so much time money and energy to watch chelsea football club um so yeah i think freezing the general emissions tickets was the right call i think it's been frozen now since maybe 2011 2012 um so i think the next stage is maybe subsidizing some of the travel fees that chelsea fans pay to go abroad because i think um we have such a committed fan base to watching chelsea travel and you know abroad but I mean, it's not going to happen next season, but at least maybe if they can do, I think like they did a couple of seasons ago, but help the Chelsea fan, fans get to Manchester, Liverpool, Newcastle, or, or give them reduced ticket fees, um, train ticket fees, that'd be ideal. Um, but yeah, I think it's the right call. Um, in regards to what's happening with Westfield, it um, wouldn't really surprise me. I've got so many mates that have season tickets up there and I occasionally get to use them. Great facilities, but um, but I know that there was a sudden um, price increase um from this season to last last season to this season and i think um especially if my mate wants to keep this seat in the exact two seats he had in that specific kind of um zone of of westview it would have been too expensive for him given the increase so maybe there's a chance like you said or a couple of murmurs that have been whispered online about the increase of 300 pounds that wouldn't surprise me either but yeah like i said um probably the best decision that Bowley could have taken and the only decision he could have taken
0: yeah, yeah, I have to agree. I think, you know, based on this season alone, you know, you know, our league position, our performances on the pitch as well. Um, you know, there's been obviously a lot of talk about the ticket exchange as well. There's been so many season tickets that have been available um, throughout the season as well. I think one of the latest ones was, I think was the Brentford game recently where there was quite a lot of um, tickets that were, were available on the exchange. But um, one of the things that I think in the statement that was that did kind of spring out to me was that um you know Ch- Chelsea owners have said that they will take some time next season to review our overall ticketing strategy and approach consult with our fan advisory board and other key stakeholders to ensure supporters voices are heard as we look to the future so I'm hoping that means the virtual room. <laughs> <laughs> I was
1: speaking to say Alicia was going to say when I read that yesterday <laughs> I'm
0: hoping that's what it means because I think I mean it's not been as bad recently because obviously the results means that so many people are out trying to get tickets, but you know, over it's one of the reasons why I stopped trying to get tickets because it's just, you know, disheartening when you're trying to, you know, you sat on a, a, you know, an iPad or a, a laptop and you're waiting to get into something. You finally get through and there's either, you know, only a certain amount of tickets that you can't get because of, uh, you know, junior tickets or whatever, senior tickets um, or they're sold out by the time you get in, into the, into the, um, you know, the pay screen, the pay area. So I think they have to look at that. And I know the expansion of Stanford bridge or the redevelopment of Stanford bridge will hopefully help that over the next couple of seasons, but it's something that's got to be looked into because it's, it's really frustrating, you know, trying to get tickets um, for, for match days at the moment.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. I think just the kind of whole process, the interface as well, which sometimes lets me down. I get to the payment stage. They will accept my card details, even though I'm putting them in correctly. Um, it shows availabilities in certain stands. I click on them, no availabilities. There's so much that's wrong with that virtual waiting room system. But I think um that's the number one thing that you know the the board need to address with this um fan advisory um team. So uh so yeah, hopefully that can be amended for next season. Yep, definitely a hundred percent now.
0: Forest, Nottingham Forest. Um I'm not gonna say it. I nearly did have to stop myself from saying what I usually say. Um interesting game let's call it an interesting game off the back of the Bournemouth performance you would expect some sort of continual progression from that performance last Saturday but just give me your overall thoughts before we get into predictions about your overall thoughts expectations um, going into tomorrow's game
1: yeah definitely more confident than I was for the previous games throughout April um like you said maybe that win against Bournemouth might give us that a bit of momentum that we need at the moment to maybe finish the season strongly. Um, we know that that kind of very scrappy win we got um, against Leeds start of March helped us get maybe the win against Dortmund and then that win against um, against uh, against Leicester away from home. So I'm kind of hoping for the same type of um, results um, coming in a next few weeks. I am still expecting a tough game. I think Forest have a lot to play for. Their future is still not 100% guaranteed in the league. Um they, they've got a good team. We have to remember that they've got a lot of players. From you know, they've got Kayla Navas, a three-time Champions League winner in goal. They've got I think that lad from Atletico Madrid, Lodi, um, yeah. and there's that other guy, look, he looked very good in the reverse fixture back in January. I forgot his name, but um, but yeah, they've got a good a good team. Um, very unpredictable. I think their last result was a four three win against Southampton. So they they obviously they can concede goals, but they look good going um, forward as well. We need to be very solid defensively tough game where I do think we can't maybe we shouldn't change the team too much for that team that played fairly well against Bournemouth. Mm-hmm. I definitely feel like the last thing you want to be doing is you know dropping Badger Shield after his performance against Bournemouth and not having him play again until maybe last game of the season, which is what happened recently. Mm-hmm. He hasn't featured since that game against Brighton, so um, so yeah, I think lineup is key. I think Madweke is another one that needs to start. He looked really promising against both Arsenal and Bournemouth. Um, But yeah, I'm still definitely a lot more confident. But still, as a Chelsea fan this season, you can't be overly confident, can you?
0: I mean, a team that's conceded 65 goals, not in Gunn Forest. I'm expecting some goals. I'm expecting (laughs) some goals tomorrow. I don't don't care how we score them, if they're own goals or you know, world is, I don't, I don't care. I I want some goals tomorrow because 65 goals conceded means that we should be scoring regardless of who we line, you know, who we put out to to line up uh, tomorrow. But no, I agree with you a hundred percent. You know, I think um, sometimes less change is better. You know, and I think one of the players that we didn't mention earlier on was Nani Medweki who, you know, Back to back games now has looked very much like a, a player that's not scared to take players on, wants to get that ball in the box, you know, committed to 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 getting the ball forward as much as possible. So he has to stay in the team for me, um, but yeah, I mean, this is this is a game again, a nothing game really. More pride in terms of the fact that with Chelsea we should be beating Nottingham Forest. Um, they do have some really good players. You know, look at Morgan Gibbs White, um, Brennan Johnson as well, thinking in, in the right side for them. Um, they've got, I mean, they've got some really good players like the, the you know Lodi that you mentioned as well. So it's going to be a difficult game, and I think they are. Yeah, they are still fighting for their their Premier League survival for next season. You know, they're only three points from the drop. These are the sort of games that they're going to be up for. Um, And I said this a couple of weeks ago, that they are going to be, it's going to be these kind of games, even, you know, last week with Bournemouth. But these sort of games where they're scrapping for those points down there, um, almost like we are, but, you know, for for different reasons. But, you know, they're going to want to get three points and they're not going to be scared to, to approach that game, I think, from kickoff with the intention to try and score as many goals knowing how bad we've been defensively this season as well I think um, Cooper will set them up to to really go from the start of the game so we have to be switched on at the back bad issue has to be in that team as well um, but nonetheless I, I still think three points and I'm, I'm saying that sort of half-heartedly but I think based on what I'm reading here you know 65 goals they scored, scored the same amount of goals as us but conceded 65 goals you you just said it right before you know they can score goals but you know they are quite leaky at the back as well so um yeah i mean it's going to be tough but at home i expect us to beat them 100% um lineup let's let's start with your your predicted lineup
1: i think we might
0: what, be what
1: in agreement <clears throat> I'll go with um, Kepa. I think we did to mention it, but he made some solid saves against Bournemouth. Um, yep. so yeah, I think he needs to retain his spot. And then we mentioned maybe Mendy last week, but I think Kepa needs to start. I still don't know if I want a back three or a back four today. It's a tricky one because I think we just don't have those options at right back at the moment. It's either Chiloba or Aspi. But I think it worked fairly well against Bournemouth, so I'm going to go with a back four. I'm going to go with Chiloba, Badgesh, Silva, Lewis Hall. Then I'm going to go with... Um, Enzo and Kante as my central mids, with Gallagher just ahead of them. And then it's got to be Madweke, Zhao Felix. And this is where it gets tricky, because <sighs> Havertz was useless against Bournemouth. He's trying to take a header with his back, you know, back-facing the goal. <laughs> uh, and then yang I don't think, will feature again until the end of the season. And then that, I'm going to say but I'm going to start with Fafana. I'm going to start for Fafana. I think this is a type of game we haven't seen him feature um since that game against Southampton where he had to be taken off at half time. But but yeah, I think this is a good game for him get a couple of minutes or a couple of cameos um or even a couple of starts before the end of the season and get his confidence up whether he stays at Chelsea this summer or goes out on loan. But I think a good 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 game for him to start. So I'm gonna go with Datro, David, Datro Fafana.
0: Yeah, I think I think that's pretty much what I'd go with. Um I did question maybe do I put Raheem ahead of Yashar Felix. Um, but I, I don't know what's happened to Sterling. I think it's a confidence thing or I don't know. Something seems to have sort of dropped off for him. Um, but Another, I, I another
1: one who had an impact off the bench actually for his assist, for Felix, yeah. He did. He did. Um,
0: I just think, as I said, I think this, this game is going to be where Nottingham Forest are going to be from the start are going to be pressing front foot football. You know, they're going to want to be trying to, running behind or you know isolate certain players um and definitely try and command in midfield so I, I think for that kind of game I think you do need someone like Xiao Felix who at the other end is going to try and do exactly the same as what they're trying to do and I don't know if Sterling would do that um I agree with Fafana uh David Datra Fafana in, in, in that number nine role I, I just think of now like I said I think it's that kind of weird period for him where he's clearly going to go club don't really want to be paying fees out for someone that's going to be leaving the club um appearance fees so you know it it kind of makes sense and and why not why not give Fafano an opportunity someone that clearly may be here next season um I know we haven't mentioned it but Armando Brouillard apparently is ahead of his schedule um in terms of his rehabilitation so you'd expect him to feature definitely for pre-season but I think we need to give Fafano an opportunity to to at least see whether he needs to go on loan next season we can't just send him out on loan because we might actually have a a role for him to play in the in in our club next season so I think play him see what he can do you know you do have the likes of Kai Havertz that can come off the bench Raheem Sterling can play in that sort of false nine or whatever you want to call it he can play across the the whole of the front three so there's options off the bench as well but I would go with uh, Jao Felix I'd go with and um, David Thatcher for Farnes with the front three. And I agree with you, Conor Callagher, not, not in a sort of flat front three, uh, flat three midfield, more so just an advance role um, in front of um, Enzo and Kante. I think that would work so much better as opposed to... Um, which I think he did kind of do that in against Bournemouth. I don't think he was a you know just a free midfield. He was more advanced than the other two, so, and it worked. You know, it worked. And I know I call him a bull in a china shop, but this could be the, this could be the game where we we need him to 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 do that. We really do. We need him to be bullish and, and obviously not get sent off, but to to get to get some tackles in and, and win that ball back for us.
1: Yeah, I think we're kind of in agreement with the lineup then.
0: Yeah, yeah. Shame on M- Mendy. I think Mendy. <laughs> I mean, again, I think he could leave in the summer. You, did, you spoke about yeah. some of the assets that we've got, but I think he's another one. Um, got, a
1: new, got a new agent today as well, um, which could maybe okay. mean that he, he might look elsewhere. I think he's a type of keeper that will want first team football. He's he's not injured anymore. There's no reason why he shouldn't be starting in his eyes. So I think his new yeah. agent that he, he might, he's just acquired, may try to look for a move away. But you do wonder which club would maybe look at him. I think every club, top club at least, has got their first choice number one. So um, it'll be an interesting so- one.
0: A swap for um, Onana at Inter,
1: it's a possibility.
0: could we, call, could, we call, yeah. could, could we get some Lukaku situation involved there as well? But no, it's right. I think he's. I think Kepa has proven himself as a, a, a good goalkeeper. I still think we need to bring someone in. I, I do think we need a, a very solid goalkeeper, and I think out of the two, um, you know, Kepa seems to be the one that can pull off those. And, and Mendy was, you know, Mendy. If you think back to Mendy when he first signed, he was. I mean, we were calling him world-class.
1: He would have won the Champions League without his contributions, so yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, he's he's someone that has still got quality in him. I just think he needs to maybe move on now or you know, understand his his role has changed um, as first choice at Chelsea, whoever we bring in. But um, let's get back to the game for tomorrow. As you said, it's it's a, it's a game that we expect we should be winning, but give me your score predict uh, prediction before we wrap up. What What's the the score potentially going to be tomorrow?
1: Yeah, I think there's going to be goals, like you said. I don't think it's going to be that kind of nil-nil, one-nil. Um, I think it's going to be a, a replica of the the scoreline of last week. I think Chelsea will win 3-1. I'm going to go with that.
0: I'm going to go 3-0. I'm going to go 3-0. I think, I'm hoping we get our defence right tomorrow. I think it's going to be questionable. I, I still think Aspilicueta will play on that right. If we play back four, I can see Aspilicueta coming in as a right-back. Um that might then give you the option of going three centre backs with obviously Chalaba moving over to support Badia Shiel and Thiago Silva with Lewis Hall. Um, but I would wouldn't change that. I would. Just, I'm going against my own sort of policy, but I'd go over back four, and I'd, yeah. I'd, I'd Trevor Chalaba there as right back, and I would put Lewis Hall as left back. Um, gives us more options in midfield as well. So I'd be I'd be very reluctant to change that. But I'm gonna go three 0 I'm gonna go three 0
1: Chelsea are scoring three goals, which is something that we haven't seen too often this season. So we're both in agreement there.
0: 65 goals conceded by Nottingham Forest I want some goals tomorrow It'd be embarrassing Absolutely. if we
1: don't score a couple it?
0: <laughs> Yeah oh, we, we need to score a goal at least um, make it 66 conceded for the season for Nottingham Forest but it's going to be a good game Stanford Bridge I'm sure will be rocking um, as it hasn't been for the last couple of weeks but I'm sure um, you know with that win from Bournemouth we'll hopefully give that and the Thiago Silva banner we haven't mentioned that as well um, the new banner that will be presented tomorrow um ahead of kickoff. Um I, I I don't know if you're are you going to the yeah. game? Are you, are you yeah. 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 So it should be uh, <laughs> should be should be interesting. It could could end in tears. You could be walking out of Stamford Bridge three three nil down at
1: half-time. Yeah. Uh, I'm going more with my mate who likes a he likes a drink or two. So hopefully um that will numb yeah. the None. The pain need. if if we lose, yeah. <laughs> You're gonna need it, um,
0: but no. Should be should be a good uh, should be a good game. But let us know your thoughts in the comments. Let us know what you think the the, the predicted lineup will be from Frank Lampard, and also the result tomorrow. Are we actually gonna win another game? Back to back wins. Can't believe I'm saying that. Are we gonna get another victory under Frank Lampard? Don't forget to subscribe to the channel. Make sure you give the video a thumbs up and also make sure you hit the notification bell as well. Theo, as always, thank you very much. It's always a pleasure. Uh, We'll be back next week with another episode of From the Shed End. Thank you very much for watching.